Welcome to Reinventing Home, a podcast and online magazine about home and the well-lived life. I'm your host, Valerie Andrews, and today we're going to talk about working mothers, why career women with children are struggling so hard to get enough time at home, what kind of expectations we all carry about home from our own childhood, and why work-life balance is such a dangerous myth. My guest today is Helen Marlowe, a professor of clinical psychology and the department chair at Notre Dame de Namur University in Silicon Valley. Helen is also a faculty scholar with the Dorothy Stang Center for Social Justice and Community Engagement, a clinical psychologist and psychoanalyst in private practice in San Mateo. Helen founded Mentoring Mothers, providing emotional support for women from pregnancy through the time of birth. Helen, when you agreed to be on the show, I emailed you asking if you think the deck is stacked against working mothers and why. What's your response to that? That's a great question, Valerie. It's funny, when you had asked that question earlier to me, a memory came up. I thought I would just quickly share it. I have an amazing OBGYN, and he has championed and supported and cared for women his whole life. He's an amazing soul, but here I am giving birth to my third child, and he let my husband pull my daughter out. And I didn't catch it until much later, but the first thing he said was, as the baby comes up, he looks at my husband and he says, good job, Dad. <laughs> and this, <laughs> you know, and it was a good job that my husband did, but I actually did a natural birth, lots of blood and lots of work. I feel that as a working mom, that when husbands and partners do something, it's like, oh my God, you're so lucky that if I'm late for my child's event, I, you know, I'm a obsessed, career-driven woman, but if my husband makes it at all, what an amazing dad, and I should be so lucky that he's there. Was this lack of acknowledgement one of the reasons you started the organization called Mentoring Mothers? Yes, that, and I wanted to address a new mother's general feeling of overwhelm to give them a place of connection and community. We meet with pregnant and postpartum women at the local hospital twice a month to help them nurture one another and have a more conscious experience of motherhood. Our goal is to support a woman's emotional and psychological development and assist her really in becoming the kind of mother and woman she wants to be. What kind of concerns do these women typically bring to your meetings? Well, the ones we hear most often are, I just didn't think this would be so hard. Nobody prepares you for what it is like once the baby comes out. Everything has changed. I just don't feel like myself anymore. I didn't think I would feel so exhausted, stressed, worried, and lonely. I don't feel bonded to my baby. Some days I don't want to be around my child. Uh, And finally, I'm afraid I'll repeat what I experienced as a child. Women are concerned with issues of child care, self-care, family history, Uh, And, of course, they're also trying to figure out whether and when to go back to work. There's not much support in our society for women who are trying to combine work and family. Do you think the two-paycheck marriage has put everybody under constant stress and strain? I'm hearing that the men are suffering as fathers because they're not getting enough time with their children, and the women are just still trying to do it all. Right, right. I see a lot of stress in one-paycheck marriages. I would say that a more significant thing is how the paychecks are negotiated. There can be, for example, a status issue ranging from, oh my God, you poor thing, you have to work, your husband doesn't provide well enough for you, 
you didn't marry well enough or that type of thing or the two paycheck marriage where if the wife isn't working, the husband really resents that because they bear a greater proportion of financial burden. And so I've seen that a lot where husbands will resent and think, well, I'm really burnt out. I'm having to work more and more and more because you you would like to stay home. I think we do a certain math in our heads that we never share with our spouses. The mental calculation that I did was, well, I'm earning so much, my husband is earning so much, and then I would titrate the amount of housework I actually did according to how much money I was making. Yes, yes, exactly. But we do it unconsciously. These are the conversations that are never had. This is the unspoken basis of money and marriage that we never, ever talk about. That's exactly right. That's the heart of it. And I think the other thing you didn't you and I didn't name yet was when one paycheck is disproportionately greater than another, then that also triggers an an unconscious kind of conflict inside many of us. I'm wondering when this comes to a head and what brings a woman into the consulting room and to see a psychologist and say, I need help. Mm -hmm. Is there usually a trigger that has to do with her, her physical health? That frequently does happen. You see it come up as fatigue or exhaustion and sometimes that's part of the work for me to bring that into the room. More often than not, I see just an emotional overwhelm, you know, a triggering of anxiety, depression, trauma, addiction, overwhelm, anger, resentment, oftentimes some so-called ghost in the nursery, something they lived out as a child. So, you know, a lot of trauma, you know, the, the rage they experienced as a child that they're now seeing in themselves, the neglect Now, that's an important topic I was going to bring up with you next, which is how do we end up really recreating our own homes? Does that happen in every marriage? Is that a given for most people? Yeah, and I I think that's a great question, and I think that's actually one reason why I was excited by the work you're doing, Valerie, around home, because what I've seen sometimes is that people can understand they have complexes and issues around their mom or their dad, But there is something different about the home and the trigger of home and what some people do to avoid home. So absolutely, I think that's one reason why I developed the service because there was so much unrecognized link between early home life and early trauma and then how that gets cracked open with pregnancy and birth. Do you know that wonderful story of D.W. Winnicott, the uh, child psychiatrist who talked about a young boy whose parents were having trouble after the birth of the second child, and he did not feel safe at home. So he took a ball of string, and he went into the living room, and he tied the string around the legs of the sofa, and then around the legs of the chair, and then around the legs of the coffee table. And it was his effort to bind the home together because his parents were insecure. Yes. That's a lovely story, exactly. <laughs> and and you see the choices women sometimes make, often mirroring that. So, you know, someone saying, if I work more than four hours a day, then I'm going to be neglecting my child just as I was a latchkey kid. So I can't do that, for example. Um, you see other people that say, my mom was this frustrated woman who was really smart and never got to use her brain and resented us and you know, always looked good on the outside, took us to every event, but there was no emotional warmth. I'm not going to repeat that. I'm going to have my own life. Um, And that can have consequences. So 
Absolutely. I see that really playing out in the choices women make around what kind of homemaker they will be or not. (laughs) So home really is, in many ways, our primary attachment. And if we don't have any consciousness of how important the character of that home is and whether we're repeating what we had when we were children or whether we're trying to create something that's exactly the opposite, which causes a whole other constellation of problems, we don't seem to realize with our focus on work these days how important home is for the formation of our inner lives. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think it's a neglected area. I'm reminded, too, of the Kaiser Foundation study that was done probably about 20 years ago on adverse Mm -hmm. childhood experiences in the Mm -hmm. home. And it basically showed that any early trauma in the home can set us up for major illnesses later on. And, of course, the more severe the trauma, the likelihood the more severe the, the illness. And I'm wondering, as a psychologist, how you see this play out in other people's lives. Powerfully and all the time. It was one of the reasons why I started mentoring mothers. When you look at some empirical studies, for example, um, people hear a lot about postpartum depression. Rarely do people think about postpartum or prepartum PTSD, and yet rates show a good 17 to over 24% of women can qualify for that diagnosis or or certainly have a number of symptoms in that. And that's a lot of people. Is the trauma there waiting in the wings, and is it triggered by the pregnancy? I frequently see that. I also think that the experience of giving birth and then also having a child to now care for will kind of kindle that and trigger that. What is the goal in working with women who are having these difficult situations brought up again to get them to a place where home can ground them and serve as a kind of sanctuary? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think when you can get to that place, that's real success. I think part of it is helping them realize how charged home is for them and what different meanings home has for them. So the stay-at-home mom who's really afraid to leave her house at all, that often has some early trauma. Conversely, the woman that can't bear to be at home has to be out as much as she can, is going stir-crazy. So I do think that part of it is helping them to learn to relate to that place of home differently. So building a connection, a healthier connection than what they had, a more flexible, whole, integrated relationship to home in all its dimensions. What's the purpose of having downtime at home in the digital age? That's a great question, and I see it in all the years I've been a psychologist. I see that becoming much more of a concrete need as of late. And I would say that some you know, awareness of how much that intrudes on the home space, even something as simple as developing rituals that are based in the home, I think can be really Uh, life-giving. Oh, can you give me an example of a home ritual? Yeah. You know, one that I've done with all of my children and growing up is that each child received a magic box and the magicians came when they were little and they still come. And the magician comes and might bring them something that, an encouraging message that that they need to hear, or it may be something concrete that they really desire, or it might be this ticket is good for time with the family, or this is a photo of them connected to the family or something related to the family. Um, We have this little ritual with all of our children, and it's changed as they've gotten older, but it 
kind of grounds them in this idea that what happens at home is valuable, that there can be magic, there can be beauty, there can be life. This is a magical story about the boxes that you made for your children. Did you make each one different so that it reflects the personality of the child? Yeah, yeah, I did. You know, I gave them pictures and I gave them the dream. Can can you describe one of the boxes and tell me what one looks like? So one is got purple, blue, sort of marbly paper, and it's got pictures of me pregnant with my daughter. And then it has some butterflies and some flowers and a symbol that was in the dream. This is a dream you had about home or about your child's birth? Yeah, yeah. And so then a symbol from the dream was incorporated. Like my son's, there was a dream about him that involved a boat and she incorporated a boat on the top of the magical box, so covered it with orange and red paper, and again had a sail on the boat. You know, my oldest is 15, my middle son is 11, almost 12, and then my daughter is 8. And so what they grasp now versus then, but they always would remember that, you know, the magicians came, you know, and they would squeal with delight, and they would, oh, my God, how did the magicians get into our house? So it was really something very special to me about how to have magic in the home, how to have beauty and wonder in our home. And that was a really special, really special memory for my children. As they got older, they started to learn who the magician was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about your own process of learning how to balance enough downtime at home with your family and the many different things that you do as a very involved career woman and person who gives community service. How did you put all these pieces together for you? My father uh, wisely said to me, and he said he taught me this too well, he said, you know, if you want to get something done, give it to the busiest person you know. And I think he was not just talking about being productive and getting a lot done, but he was talking about the value of having a full life. And you can have a full life. So I think for myself, you know, I was conscious enough to really choose a profession that I loved. Not everyone does. And then they are stuck and kind of feel trapped. But I loved what I did. I worked hard on not separating work from family so rigidly. And I think that's different than what a lot of career people do or they're advised to do. I found that, you know, advice that said to draw tighter boundaries actually was not all that helpful. Oh, Uh, say more. Tell me how that looked for you. Practically speaking, I have a very flexible schedule. I'm a night owl, so I work with my biorhythm. I'd rather work really late at night. You know, my my students laugh. They're like, "Uh uh-oh, she sent me the 1 a.m. email. I get to choose when I'm on the clock and when I'm not. And so the trade-off is I can do a lot of pickups. I can do a lot of drop-offs. I can be involved in ways that, you know, supposedly career women aren't supposed to be able to do. So I'm very grateful for, you know, I can set my hours in my practice and I'm grateful for my academic job where I do a lot of work fairly of my own choosing. I teach weekend classes and my students know on the weekends my family comes up at lunchtime and we all have lunch together. I was surprised actually by the number of female students in particular that said to me, you're really modeling something for me when you bring, when you have your family come at lunch. And, you know, I just had my family come at lunch because I wanted to see them. <laughs> That's lovely. So. If you had to create your own magic box, one for you, 
that represented a healthy and harmonious home, what would you put in it? That's a great question. I think that I would like to have more time at home and have more time, uh, relaxed time with my family doing activities that are fulfilling. I'd also like to have more time for other relationships that matter a lot in my life. Yeah, you know, I think I see us sitting around the dinner table and laughing, you know, something as simple as that with without there being a cell phone, without there being a, a computer, without multitasking, that type of thing. I think being able to just have pure time together, fun conversations, joy, an image comes to my mind that we do sometimes now and I wish we did more of, of, you know, pushing all the furniture out of the way and we turn up the music and we have dance parties. We make our own disco hall in our in our living room, you know. <laughs> That's lovely. That's lovely. My last question for you, Helen, is do you have any personal strategies to recommend for women who are trying to do what you do? Is there is there any one thing that you sort of use as a personal check in to, to see if everything is going well or you need to make an adjustment? Yeah, well for people to know how much stress they can tolerate and what they feel about stress. People have different levels of stress tolerance and people have different associations to stress. For me, to be able to think about having a full life and a whole life, a meaning, a, a life with certain experiences and memories, what, what do I want? What experiences and memories do I want? Holding on to that helps me when the stress rises. Another point I would add to that is I don't even use the word work-life balance. I challenge that mindset. And I, when I was teaching wellness classes, I actually got rid of that word. And when I can teach others to be what I call as work-life rhythms and to be in conscious relationship to work-life rhythms. And so it in some ways encourages a more fluid, a more receptive, a more attuned stance. This is the rhythm you're in. It's going to end at a certain point. When that ends, what will you do to replenish yourself? That's a beautiful concept. It's flow and it's also the natural cycles. It's the yes. fact that your life, your life has seasons and everything doesn't have the same ratio and, and the same staccato rhythm all the time. Exactly. And I, I think that's more real and I, I think it's been more constructive for the people I work with. And when you say balance, you immediately go, wait a minute, I've got to quantify it. It's got to be even. So the concept of rhythm is much better. Home is rhythm. Home is music. Yes, yes. What I would say is that I don't think of home, I don't first think of home as a noun. I think of it as an adjective, an adverb, and a verb. The word homely, the word homely has come to mean something unattractive and, and its original meaning was something comforting and warm and wonderful, homely. Oh, isn't that interesting? That's right. I like my work to feel homely in the best sense of the word. <laughs> That's beautiful, Helen. Thank yeah, you so much yeah. for sharing all your insights with us today. This has been a wonderful conversation. Well, you're welcome. I feel like you know, your emphasis and you championing home is so important because I think if we can bring home as a way of being, when we can bring that into all dimensions of our lives, I think home can expand. <laughs> my life can be my home. <laughs> 